It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studio, special guest, certified financial planner, Amy Masters, sitting in for Kevin today, along with Josh Gregory. If you have a retirement plan at work, have you ever wondered what constitutes a good company match versus a bad company match? And should that influence whether you invest or how much you invest? We have answers to those questions coming up today on the show. All right. If you have any questions, again, we're kicking today's show off with a question from Darren. If you have any questions for us, you can send those in in a variety of ways. You can call or text us and leave your question that way, 574-222-2000. Most people text in, but you can call that as well, 574-222-2000. Email, here's what I'd encourage you to do. Go to wisemoneyradio.com, and there's a spot on the right where it says ask a question, and that actually turns into an email, goes right to me, and we can hit it on an upcoming program. And then lastly, uh, the show is all over social media, and you can leave questions that way as well, but you could leave questions only if you're subscribed to that content and that you're tracking us there. So just search on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. Just search Wise Money Show and subscribe to the show. You can submit your questions right there as well, and typically what we do is try to answer them right away and then put them in the queue to address something on an upcoming program. So reach out to us that way. All right. As I mentioned, and Josh mentioned, we are starting today's program with a great question from Darren. Darren's 46 from Granger, and here's what he asked. I recently switched jobs, and the new company does not offer a match to the 401k. Should I still contribute or not? That's a great, that's a great question. I don't know about you guys, but I've received that question before, and I've even, I even haven't received the question. I've received the comment from clients, which is, oh, yeah, the new job, got a 401k, but they don't offer a match, and they really sort of dismiss it. Right. So instead of just answering Darren's question, we're going to answer all of the questions surrounding this question and, and probably going to hit his specific question last. So here's what I care about. I, I want to talk about first. Josh, Amy, in your opinion, what's a good company match and what's a bad company match? So when I'm in the, walking in a parking lot, if I see a dollar bill on the ground, a $5 bill on the ground, $10 bill on the ground, I'm going to grab any of them. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> when it comes down to it, I mean, any... She's walking by the coins, though, folks. <laughs> so hey, it's hey, got to hey, be hey, a bill. Hey. No, I'd still get those. <laughs> okay. Uh, but oh, what I mean, you know, free money is free money. You know, I obviously there are some matches that are better than others. You know, the more, more money you can get from the company, the better. But... Even if it's a 1% match, any match, it's still free money and something that's probably worth looking at to take advantage of. I, I agree completely. And I, I would go so far as to say many people judge the quality of the retirement plan or the retirement benefits at work on the match alone. And truly, these retirement plans today, modern plans, are offering you such amazing tools to be able to make 
great progress towards long-term goals like retirement. And it, it's something that you really should be seriously considering taking advantage of regardless of what the match is, mm-hmm. right? And I, I would say, Darren, that you know your plan does not have a match. I would throw that under the category of a bad match. No match is a mm-hmm. bad match, yeah. but that doesn't mean that it's a bad plan. It doesn't mean it's a tool that you should ignore or not take advantage of. And, and that is what we see quite often. People come in for their first meeting. We ask them about their financial life, find out about where they work and, and stuff like that. And y- you, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are a lot of people Um, who are just flat out not taking advantage of the retirement plan at work simply because there is no match. Yeah. And I think for some of them, it's a mistake. Yeah. Okay. So let, let me, let me dive a little bit further there. Should, whether there's a match or not influence whether you should take that job, should that Mm. be a deciding factor in whether you take employment with that company? I wouldn't say it would be the, 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 what kind of makes that decision or doesn't make that decision. But I do think that the weight of the retirement plan needs to be a big factor when looking to make a job. I think a lot of people just look at, well, what's my salary going to be? Or what's the hourly rate going to be? They they don't even look at the benefits that come with it. But sometimes, and I've encouraged clients that, yeah, maybe you're taking a pay cut, but now you have this amazing retirement plan or amazing mm-hmm. benefits that more than outweigh the, the pay cut that you're now taking. So I think that should definitely be taken into consideration. If it's your dream job, know that there are other ways to save for retirement and still reach your goals without uh, needing that plan at work. That's a well said. I, I agree completely. And and judging the entire compensation package is always wise. And and often people don't ask all the right questions. They, it really just boils down to, well, what am I going to get paid per hour? Or what's my annual salary going to be? You know, things like bonus potential and the, the quality of the, the health insurance benefits. Yes, the retirement plan. But keep in mind also that what exists today may not exist five years from now within the firm. It may get better, especially if you're joining a, a strong growth company. It's a small business today, and they're building out infrastructure, and their goal, their hope is to compensate well so that they can keep on attracting great talent. What you see today in the retirement plan may not be the same in the future. Mm-hmm. There are some retirement plans out there. I'm going to use some some jargon here, but there's a tool called a simple IRA and it offers a 3% match. Now, someday your firm, your company may graduate to a 401k and have an even better match. So, just because you don't like what you see today, uh, doesn't mean that you're not uh, you don't have an amazing opportunity in front of you to join a company that is really going places. Keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I would agree with everything you've said. I'll throw one more idea in the mix, not just a match. So I'm sort of changing the rules, but I'm talking, so I guess I can do that. And, um, but a pension. If the company offers a pension, you really do need to consider that in light of what your actual gross or gross wages or your hourly wages, because I was working with someone who did take a pay cut for their dream job, quite significant actually, and but this new job was with the government, and um, dream job with the government. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did say that, uh, and um, it, but it was a pretty big pay cut. And when we did their first retirement plan. 
um, retirement projection with the new job, I did the math, and it's a equivalent to uh, about another million dollars. His wow. pension. His pension is equivalent. Now, this is over a few decades, but equivalent to them saving about another million dollars. And they were thrilled by that. So I'd, I'd, I'd keep that in mind. And you have to stay long enough to become exactly. vested in something like that. And that's an important concept to recognize when we're talking about employer matches as well. Mm-hmm. Not every employer match is created equal. Doesn't mean some are good and some are bad. But keep in mind that your employer might have... Um, not not a catch, but some stipulations built into their match where you need to stay with the company long enough to actually keep those match dollars. So you need to understand the vesting schedule on the employer match within your plan. One thing I'll add there, too, is I've seen people where, ah, you know, I don't know if I will stay in this job very long. I'm not going to get the match because I'm not going to be fully vested, so I'm just not going to contribute. There's a big risk in that, too, because, you know, the earlier you start, the better off you are. So that would be another encouragement I'd have with uh, those types of benefits is just because maybe you don't like the match and you know it's temporary doesn't mean you should just not contribute to something. Yeah, that that's a reassurance that you need to know that when you put some of your own hard-earned dollars into the retirement plan, that is your money whether you leave after a year or not. The company's money, that is can have a, a bit of a clawback, if you will, if you leave inside of that vesting schedule. That's one of the dangers. We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. One of the dangers right now, there's this trend of people stay at a job for three to four years. And if it takes you the first six months or a year to become eligible to contribute, and then if there's a vesting schedule, you could emotionally or, or mentally just say, well, they're not, I, if I leave and I don't think I'm going to, then um, I... Uh, this money isn't mine anyway. They're match money, so I won't contribute. And then you string a few of those together, and like Amy said, that getting started early, you know, a decade's gone by, and you really don't have much to show for it in your 401k. All right, so what's the best match you've ever seen? What's a typical match you should expect? And really, what's, should you be upset if there isn't a match? We've got a lot more questions, and then we are going to answer Darren's, which is if there's no match, should you still even use it? And what are your other options? So we've got that and much more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If your company doesn't offer a match to the 401k, do you just disregard it or should you still contribute to the 401k? That's a great question from Darren that we're unpacking right now. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thank you for being with us. My name's Mike. Along with me in the KFG studios, we've got Amy Masters and Joshua Gregory. Thank you to the attorneys at South Bank Legal, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. You've been faithful supporters of the Wise Money Show and our educational efforts. Thank you very much for being with us in this journey. If you have any questions, again, we're tackling Darren's right now. We've got a couple of great ones from, from Mike and from Tom coming up later in the program. You can submit them to us a few different ways. Call or text 574-222-2000. 
That's 574-222-2000. I'd encourage you to put your name at the beginning of that, maybe where you live and your age, so we've got a little bit more context. Anything that's confidential, we'll obviously not share on the air, um, but would like to discuss what you're thinking about. Um, you can send us an email. You can do so by going to wisemoneyradio.com. Submit a question right there on the right. Turns into an email. Comes to me. And then all over social media again. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Just search Wise Money Show. Subscribe to that content. And you can submit questions and send them that way as well. Plus, you're up to date on any on all content that we're pushing out into those areas. So... All right, we're addressing Darren's question, which is, hey, he switched jobs recently. The new company does not offer a match on the 401k. Should he even use it? Now, we're weaving our way to get to that question, but there's several others that weren't specifically asked. And this next one is, well, guys, what's the best match you've ever seen? What's a typical match someone should expect? And then should you be upset if there isn't a match? Should you feel like, well, I'm getting ripped off here? I think every financial advisor in our office would answer your first question the same way. What's the best match we've ever seen? And we won't name the employer here in a public setting, but I'll just tell you that there's an employer, one that I'm thinking of, where uh, if you're a participant in their retirement plan, you are required to contribute 5%, but then they throw in 10%. So it's a two-for-one match, mm-hmm. um, which, which is just unbelievable. And um, that has not come to Corhorn Financial Group just yet. <laughs> no, but, we are uh, not talking about Corhorn <laughs> Financial Group. No, we're not. <laughs> but what what an amazing, generous gift to employees. And uh, th- that's an example of an employer who is taking retirement very seriously and wanting to incentivize and encourage people to get ready for this long-term goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's so much so that uh, it, it's it's actually required, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Looking at kind of the most common match I've probably seen, there, there's something called a safe harbor match. And so probably one of the most common is it's like 100% of the first 3% and then 50% of the next two. Yeah. So essentially, if you put in five, the company's going to go throw in four for so, you. I'm so glad Amy did that math. And so yeah. yeah, instead of you. <laughs> if, you're you're a, if you're a long-standing <laughs> listener to, of the Wise Money Show, you've uh, heard me uh, make some jokes <laughs> in the past about no, and that actually is the company match here at Corhorn Financial Group. And the reason why we set up the plan this way, if, if you are a decision maker in a business or, or an employer and you're wondering, hey, is there something better that we could be doing for our employees? One of the reasons we set up this safe harbor match is because not only does it incentivize everyone to get started early, because 4% is a, a meaningful amount, but because of the way it's all structured, uh, all the employees, when we throw money into the retirement plan, they keep it all. Exactly. They're immediately vested. Mm-hmm. And and that is important in today's day and age because you never know how long you're going to be with, with a company or with an employer. But there are some employers that I wish they had a safe harbor. And I'm, I'm thinking of often in a manufacturing setting, for example, maybe there's a retirement plan where you work, uh, but you're limited in how much you're allowed to contribute because m- maybe you're a real go-getter, maybe you're a, a salesperson or an upper level manager, and you are limited by how much you can contribute 
based on what the average employee there, um, wh- whether they're working on the line or um, you know a- anywhere in the in the business, you may be limited in how much you're allowed to contribute. A lot of those limitations and those constraints go away when you take a safe harbor approach. So. Some of you maybe need to be making a mental note, hey, we need to revisit our retirement plan um, and rethink how we're structuring this to give maximum flexibility to our team members. You know, what's funny about that is I, I see the same thing. And essentially, it's the longstanding, a.k.a. great employees who are suffering because of the employees that come in, stay for six months, and leave. Mm-hmm. When you're choosing to not go with a safe harbor plan, it's because you want to have some restrictions if people if people leave. And really, you that, those are those are. I want some insulation from bad hires, and I get that. I I totally do. But who are you penalizing? Because you don't want to reward those bad hires, you're penalizing your great hires. And so I would encourage you. And that's something we help people with. We're not the only ones. But um, but retirement plan, setting up your, your employer-sponsored retire- retirement plan, we help with that. But I'd encourage you, if that's appealing, you haven't looked at that in a while, I'd encourage you to do so. Um, okay, so do you get mad if there isn't a match? I mean, we don't... I would I would say no. No. I, no. No, but it might be something that when you you're talking to your employer, maybe you do some negotiation with your salary. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe that just gives you some something to think about and say, hey, retirement's important. There maybe isn't even a plan at all, or maybe there's not a match. Um, maybe that's part of just negotiating and seeing, hey, can I maybe get a little extra that now I can also throw in to. Uh, some retirement dollars for myself. You know, I would also want you to have a spirit of gratitude as well because, you know, retirement plans are expensive to put in place. They're expensive to maintain. It it creates some headaches for employers unless they've got a great company that they're working with to, to ease some of that burden. But the point is, uh, your employer may be spending a decent amount of money to have this plan in place so that you have a large bucket to defer some of your paycheck into and get it growing for the future. And so so even if there isn't a match yet, uh, keep, in, keep that in mind. I, I wouldn't look at it and scoff. Um, it may have influence, though, if you have two great offers on the table from two potential employers, one has a match and one doesn't. Yeah. Keep that in mind as you're considering the pros and cons of each. All right. So should the amount of the match influence how much you contribute? And my brain's mm-hmm. already thinking, you know, if you listen to another financial show, uh, you might have heard that person say you should be contributing 10% or 15% to retirement. Well, is the match part of that? Should you, uh, you know, I've heard this a lot. Well, you know, how much are you contributing to your retirement account? Well, I'm, I'm doing the maximum. Okay, well, how much is that? Well, they match 50% on the first six, so I'm doing six. So that's the maximum because then they'll do a 3% match. No, that's not the maximum, right? So should... That should be your minimum, but That right? should be your minimum. So should the match influence how much you decide to contribute? It's a great question. Part of that depends upon your tax picture because, for for example, maybe you do enough into a traditional 401k to get the company match, 
but really you ought to be having most of your money going into a Roth IRA, let's say. Mm. And so maybe you do just enough to get the match, get all the free money that's offered to you, and then turn your attention to a Roth IRA. Um, again, it, it's something to look at very closely, though, because maybe your employer is considering adding a Roth 401k feature, and, and that takes away some of the, the need to look outside the plan. Another consideration on how much you contribute and if it should include the match on your total percentage would be if you think about a job change. So I've had clients where they have a great company match right now, but they know that there's going to be a job change in the future. So they've contributed more themselves knowing that uh, if they took a job with a similar pay, it's going to feel seamless. They won't have to make a big change to still be on track for their retirement plan if that next company doesn't have a match or has a much smaller match. I Exactly. I mean, I, I want you to do financial planning so you know how much you should be contributing. But say that should be is 15%. Don't, I wouldn't include the match. I, because what if the company announces cuts because of the next recession and they say, we're reducing our match? Well, in order for you to be on track, you now have to contribute more at a time when financially things might be getting more difficult. So we're, we're going we're gonna to dive into that a little bit more. Plus, we've got a couple great questions from Mike and from Tom coming up. So lots more to hit here coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. When you are retired and you start withdrawing the growth out of your 401k, out of your IRA, how is that taxed? Taxes capital gain because it's growth or is it taxed differently? We've got that question from Mike. We're going to hit that answer coming up. Thanks for being with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Amy Masters and Josh Gregory. Amy's filling in for Kevin today. Uh, thanks for being with us. I want to also say thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her inspired real estate team serving Indiana and Michigan. Thank you for being faithful faithful partners with us in the Wise Money Show. If you have any question, we're hitting one from Darren right now, and I have a few more that we're going to be hitting. Um, you can submit your questions to us a few different ways. Online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And then, of course, social media, you can submit comments and questions right there. We'd encourage you to do so on the podcast, Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Just search Wise Money Show. All right. So Darren's question is he's 46, and he's uh, recently switched jobs. The new company does not offer a 401k match should he still contribute? Before we answer that, there's just a little bit more we want to talk about with, well, should the amount of the match influence how much you contribute? Uh, guys, I don't know if you would add anything else, but what I would what I would say is you first need to know how much you should be contributing for your overall retirement plan or your long-term goals. What amount should you be contributing? And you need to know that before you even worry about the match. And, and that uh, depends on when you're getting started, too. That, that's right? right. That's right. You, you might be able to contribute 10 or 15% if you start day one of your working career and continue faithfully all the way through to the end of your career. 
But if you're someone who has taken a break from your retirement savings or maybe a little bit slower start, um, you may need to be playing some catch up. And one of the advantages of the 401k, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Darren's age at 46. We don't know how much preparation you've already done, Darren, but a financial plan, specifically the retirement planning component of your financial plan will help you determine, are you on pace to be able to retire at the time that you want? And if not, if you do need to play some catch up, the 401k is often one of the best tools to play catch up with because you can save so much into it. Yep. One of the other factors that will that you'll find out in your financial plan is, well, how much should you be saving, not just for that retirement goal, but for your for your tax situation as well? Is there a tax reason that, listen, you've got to get as much money as possible in here, because if you can't keep your income below this number, you're going to lose credits and other things. So I, I, this is all independent of the match. So you need to look at your financial plan and that influences how much you should contribute. But then setting those factors aside, the minimum amount that you should do is the maximum to get the match. Absolutely. And one other thing I want to say about taxes, taxes might be a reason to do the 401k if you have a big bucket to fill. But if your tax situation, you might be in a lower bracket. And if you don't have a company match within your 401k, maybe just doing a Roth IRA makes more sense. If we're trying to get uh, dollars growing, uh, you know, we don't ever have to pay tax on those dollars. They're growing tax free. That might be better for you. Another big consideration of doing the 401k versus an IRA, a Roth IRA could be just what investment options you have within the retirement plan too. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're not able to diversify the way that you want or be able to take the right level of risk based on the options, that's where doing an IRA or Roth IRA, you're just going to have a lot lot more options. Now you can control how it's invested. We probably need to do a show on that as well. I mean, we're talking about what's a good match, what's a bad match. We should talk about what's a good investment lineup, what's a bad investment lineup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're geeks, but that sounds interesting to me. All right, so let's finally answer Darren's question. If you've, if you've got a 401k available to you at your company and there is no match, I mean, we've sort of touched on this already, but should you still contribute or not? I, and again, I don't know the answer to that. Um, it depends upon your plan and everything that Amy just said maybe bears repeating. Maybe you need to hit rewind on a podcast if you're listening or go find the podcast and hear what she just said again because there are some circumstances when maybe the retirement plan at work, if there's no incentive of free money being offered to you right now, maybe it's not the best tool for you to use and instead you should use some of your own individual options like a Roth IRA. But to me, I, I would rather answer Darren's question with what's the process for, for answering it? How, how do you discover what the right answer is for you? And of course, you know what we're going to say. It's financial planning. You have to know what your tax picture is and, and its influence on the best place to save for retirement. You need to know, are you on pace for this goal or do you need to play catch up? And therefore, you need every bucket available to you to throw money into. You need to know how this particular plan fits with your overall investment portfolio. Like one more puzzle piece to add to to the picture here. You even need to be thinking about uh, what 
what you hope to do with these dollars or where you hope they go when you pass away someday, if there are any extras. So to me, Darren's question is such an amazing one because it emphasizes the integrated nature of financial planning. You can't make this one decision in a vacuum and believe that you're going to make a great one. The great decision is by looking at all areas of your financial life. Here's a different question. I've, I've t- taken Darren's question and I've added a whole bunch of others. But I, I think when people ask this question, they're really asking, if there's no match, should I even save for retirement? Hmm. And I, I actually want to state that because I think when you hear me say that back, you might think, well, that's ridiculous. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say it again. If there's no match, should you even save for retirement? Absolutely. It's your mm-hmm. retirement. Don't penalize yourself for a decision that the company made for whatever reason. I, I've actually seen people, it's like, well, the company's not offering a match, so forget them. I'm not contributing to this thing. I mean, so you're going you're gonna to spite yourself yeah, it because the company is not offering it, a match? Right. It implies that it's your employer's job to get you ready for retirement. Right. And no, you, you need to recognize that your retirement is your responsibility. And your employer may have just given you a tool, one tool, to have in your toolbox to help you achieve that goal. So learn it, use it, master it and uh, begin contributing somewhere, somehow, whether it's your retirement plan at work or Roth IRA on your own. Either way, it's important to get started. Yep, yep. And, and, and I, yeah, likewise, I mean, maybe a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA or something else other than the 401k if there's no match. However, I just emotionally, when you're doing that, that feels like it's coming out of your budget. When it's coming out of your paycheck before your net income, it almost seems like, in the same dollar amount, so there's really no trick, but it just seems like, well, it doesn't have to come out of my monthly budget, but anyway. All right, let's transition here. More listener questions. We got a great one from Mike. He emailed in. Um, at retirement, so after age 59 and a half, how are withdrawals from traditional IRAs or 401ks taxed? As ordinary income or as long-term capital gains? I think I know the answer, but there seems to be a lot of confusion out there, mixed opinions to this answers that I think your listeners would appreciate some clarity on. So, yeah, the question is, when you're saving money into an IRA or 401k, and then that money grows, when you withdraw that growth, when you withdraw that money, is that taxed as growth, capital gain, or is it taxed as ordinary income? Yeah, great question. I actually get this question pretty frequently too, and it is all ordinary income tax. So there isn't going to be capital gains on those IRAs or the 401ks, those dollars that you're you're saving for for retirement in those vehicles. Uh, you're getting the tax deduction when you put money in if it's on the traditional side, and you do pay tax on all of that when you take it out. So if you took 5000 out, all 5000 of that shows up on your tax return. I always tell people it's, it's as I'm drawing it, I'm a, I'm a great artist. For those of you who have sat in the office and watched me draw on the whiteboard, Board. I mean, artiste. I'm just kidding. You can barely read what I write. It's terrible. Uh, Josh is actually quite gifted, but my little graphs, I always tell people, all right, you, on the IRA and traditional 401k, you put money in, that's pre-tax. So it gives you a deduction a day. But then when you take it out, it's taxed as ordinary income, just like you earned it. Well, that's not exactly true because if you're earning it, you're paying FICA. Truth is you paid FICA 
on those dollars even Earlier, when you, yeah. Right. So, but yeah, it's taxed as, as ordinary income, not capital gain. Don't be deceived though and think, well, capital gains rates are lower, so I actually shouldn't be contributing to this 401k. No, don't do not do that because there is no tax benefit on putting the money in for those, for those dollars that would be taxed as capital gain. So, all right, we've got a great question from Tom coming up as well. So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thank you very much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard, here with me in the KFG studios with Amy Masters and Joshua Gregory. If you've missed anything, boy, we, we had a great question. I, I think a lot of people, if you're if you're in your working years, you've had this question. Hey, do I have a good company match? Do I not? Should the match influence what my contribution is? We, we tackled that. It's a great question from Darren. We've had another good one from Mike. If you've missed any of that, several ways you can catch up on this show and every other. Uh, my favorite's the, the, the YouTube channel, and I'll tell you why. Sometimes I, I say that, and you're like, well, why? You like to watch yourself or whatever? <laughs> nope, nope. It's We just start the camera uh, when we start the show, and then we let it run through breaks. And so... Um, you know, during a, a a radio show commercial break, there's we're still talking, and there's bonus content. Josh shared, I think, twice during this episode, just some great additional thoughts regarding the comments that we that we have. So you get all of that, plus any shenanigans that we have during the break. You get all of that watching on on the YouTube channel. So I'd encourage you subscribe to that. Look it up. It's Wise Money Show. Uh, subscribe to it and turn on notifications. You can leave questions and comments right there as well. Also, podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. I'd subscribe to that as well so you're notified anytime we have a new podcast air or any announcements or anything like that. But then I also would encourage you to rate the episode, rate the show, and even share it, Put post comments there. Um, that just helps the show be more searchable and 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 be found by others who are searching for, um, for wise financial principles. So I'd encourage you to do that. And then lastly, wisemoneyradio.com. Every episode's right there. And you can listen to every episode right there and you can submit questions there as well all right we've got a great and technical question from tom tom i apologize it's taken us a few weeks to get to this um tom sent this in a a while ago but here's what he asked what's the best way to take social security when i married an older woman and am the breadwinner she's 64 i'm 58 I am self-employed, and although my wife does not um, have a big salary, her employer provides both of us with great insurance, which is very critical when you're self-employed. Her full retirement age is 66. She will work at least one more year, possibly two, so that'd get her to about 66. She's 64 now. We're debt-free, no mortgage, and have a mix of IRAs, Roths, and all that sort of stuff, and uh, a good amount in the savings account. My feeling is that she should take her Social Security at her full retirement age, so 66. And then hers will increase to half of mine when I reach full retirement. Um, 
when I draw or not. So I want to touch on that. So, so basically, this question is, with all those circumstances, when should she, when should I draw Social Security? Well, I feel like that's exactly the right question. It's one that brings a lot of people to our door as financial advisors. And what I what I love to hear from Tom is just that they're taking advantage of the good stuff that each of them bring to the table in mm-hmm. their financial life. Absolutely. Right? He may be the main breadwinner, but she's providing the great um, benefits for, for health insurance. Um, She's a little bit older, so she's going to draw Social Security before he does and um, may enter into retirement before he does. But together, they've been making this work. They've been, as he said, they're debt-free. They've been piling money into IRAs and Roth IRAs, that sort of thing. And now one of the last pieces of the puzzle to put in place is how are you going to draw Social Security? And this is one where a lot of people make mistakes. Um, They leave a lot of money on the table by drawing too early mm-hmm. quite often. You know, they create haircuts for themselves or or they create limitations on what they're allowed to be earning from a paycheck while drawing Social Security. And it all just boils down to the choices that they made. And I, I feel like, Tom, the way to judge whether or not you have the best strategy in place, it really is to just model it to test it, to crunch the numbers and to run the forecast and say, does this strategy yield the highest probability that our retirement is going to work out well? That's what financial planning does in the context of a retirement plan. And yes, one of the big decisions that you have to make is when do I draw versus my spouse? Yeah, there's something, and this is tricky because Social Security and those rules, you'd think, well, it's a social system and, you know, it's been around forever, so it's pretty cut and dry, black and white. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Nope. One of the most confusing things about your finances, actually, right there with Social Security, and that's why Tom's question is so great. However, you, you put here right at the end of the question that your spouse's Social Security will increase to half of yours whether you draw or not at full retirement. I don't think that's true. I, I, I don't. And I'm not going to hold myself out as an expert and say, this is how Social Security works. Um, but I, I'm, I'm quite certain that it would hers would only increase to half of yours if you started drawing. And so I, this begs the question, well, how long are you going to work? Are you going to work until full, re- full retirement age or not? Um, and then I also would, just like Josh said, do the calculation that what if, what if your, your wife waited until 70? If, if you're the main breadwinner, so that I would presume you guys are able to live off of your earnings, then what would it be? Uh, would there be? Would it make financial sense to delay? And I know giving up several months or a couple years of payments for a higher one, uh, if she waited until seventy, you'd want to crunch those numbers. I'm not saying that's a great idea. Just saying you'd want to crunch those numbers. And then the other thing I'd point out, well, actually two other things. If she's drawing, if, if she's got the health insurance, and she's about to become Medicare eligible and might retire in two years, what are you going to do about health insurance? And I don't know, you've got a couple of options, but not a ton. And then being self-employed, you mentioned you've got a mix of IRAs, Roth, and regular as well as large savings. Are you leveraging all of the retirement savings vehicles available to you as a, as a self-employed person? Because, and maybe you're just 
being broad, but it should probably be more than just a Roth and a regular IRA. You have more at your disposal, especially if you're saving up large and uh, amounts in the savings. And you'd want to consider that in light of also that health insurance question I just mm-hmm. asked. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, when to draw Social Security for, for each of you, that's a big question. But there's several other kind of tentacles that are kind of coming off of this thing. Man, I'd make sure that you're sitting down and that you've kind of mapped all of those out. Yeah, one surprise that often happens as people enter into retirement and they sign up for Medicare, Medicare Part B, for example. Medicare Part B is a premium that gets pulled out of your Social Security check before you receive it each month. And um, what a lot of people don't realize is that your the price tag for that is dependent upon the family's income for that year. Mm-hmm. So y- you may want to be taking advantage of some even more robust retirement savings vehicles Tom, if if you're going to keep working and your wife is on Medicare, you may need to do some creative planning to keep your income down below certain thresholds so that she doesn't pay unnecessarily high premiums for her Part B Medicare premiums. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot there. Boy. So I I think I just initially, I don't think the, I don't think your ideas are way off track here. In fact, they might, they might totally be spot on, but I'd want to look at that in light of the, you know, running all the scenarios and calculations as well as um, how it fits in your entire financial life. Because if you're planning on work until, working until 70, I don't think she's going to get this increase as soon as you turn full retirement age if you're not turning on your Social Security then. So I'd want to look at that and those other items we mentioned. Let me sneak another one in here. A uh, question is from Julie, and she's 52 from Mishawaka. My husband and I took out life insurance policies on our kids when they were babies. They're now grown. Should we be, should we be paying on these or not? That's a great question, Julie. And I've actually been seeing this a lot recently where they have these whole life policies they own on their kids. Their kids are now out of the house. So what do you do? The big question I have is, is there any financial risk for you still, Julie, if your children or child passed away? Um, I've seen it where someone has taken out a home equity line of credit Mm. on their house to help with college or a down payment or a house or something with their kids. Their kids are paying it. They're paying them to pay it. But if their child passed away, there is still that financial risk. So having that life insurance might still make sense. The other big factor that I would want to hit is just can your kids get life insurance? Is there some type of health factor that might make it where this is the best policy and really the only policy they could have because they couldn't buy their own insurance. Great, great insight, Amy. Thank you very much. Thanks for the question, Mike, Tom, and Julie. That is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Amy Masters, Josh Gregory, and myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.